I'm Chief Christy Giuseppe from TwoGuysTalkingStarWars.com, and you're listening to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming via the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. What will you represent in the end? There are few things more emotional than the end of something. A job, a relationship, a life. Each of them offers something different for everyone based on your relationships, your life, and your legacy. Inside this episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 5, Episode 22, The End, we learn all about these things, our heroes, and more. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. So much to get to inside this episode, Nick. But first, some quick housekeeping. Two guys talking Star Wars. There is a series of podcasts on our network, Nick, that features everything Star Wars from Rogue One all the way through the original series reviews and perspective review that I encourage everybody to go check out right now. In particular, if you're going to go see Solo, which actually erupts this weekend as well. Uh, that way you can have a little smattering of the old with a little smattering of the new. Uh, speaking of old and the new, Mike, exactly how many of the other films are you going to be reviewing on Two Guys Talking Star Wars? Zero. They all suck. No, just wow. kidding. Wow. Just kidding. Wow. See, see there. The, the plan is to get to all of them eventually. Eventually. It's a matter of suck factor. Including the Ewok movies? Actually, including the Ewok movies. Good. I, 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 did you know that there's They should a, be included. Did you know that there's a special feature that is available inside of the Last Jedi Blu-ray disc about the Ewok movies? There is. There is. See, I only got as far as watching the film. I haven't watched any of the special oh, really? features. What is it now? Only six, seven years later after hey, the movie? I got through the movie, thank you very much. <laughs> That's all right. Watching in perspective review is something I relish. I'm just sorry that Nick uses it as the first time to see movies but that's okay that's all right at least when we get to the review the perspective review of the last jedi it'll be the second time i've seen uh, the movie. too too true too true uh, i would encourage all of you to get over to two guys talking star wars.com to find the entire listing of star wars reviews from chief chris crisis negotiator pat and myself over again at two guys talking star wars.com and get out and go see solo the marvel agents of shield academy 
Do you have any idea what I'm referring to? I n- no. What are really? we? What are we? What are we talking about here? The Academy. All right. Well, I finished my third viewing of this episode of Marvel's Agents of Shield this morning. Same as I. Okay. And after I got done, after using my half a box of tissue that was left over from the first half box I destroyed while I was watching it the first two times. We're not going to talk about emotions here. We, we are not going to talk about it. There should be no emotion. Anyway, I got done with that, and on my screen I saw something. Oh, blah, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Episode 4. And I'm like, wow, Episode 4. I think I'll just hit play, because why not go back and watch Episode 4 and see what happens? So I'm under the impression, oh, it's going to go back and watch Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Episode 4. Episode 4. Okay, well, it pops open. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy Episode 4. What? what, what yeah! What? I'm going to link off, because I'm, I'm not going to blow it for anybody. You're all going to be surprised when you f- when you find and are featured by our link at our website at agentsofshield.tv for this episode, episode 22 of season 5, The End, and what Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy holds for you. All right, Nick, it's time to begin our discussion of The End, Season 5, Episode 22, the season finale of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu Streaming. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. Great episodes start with a heartbeat. The front end of this episode was... It's already something that's incredibly emotion-packed anyway. Because we have been talking about how we've always known that this would be either the end, i.e. the series tucks its tail and runs back into the, the annals of comic bookdom. Right. Or this was going to be the end of this season that would then run into next season eventually. So mm-hmm. we we always know that, the, the especially the last episode, the way that they're running the last episode, is always going to be packed with whatever. Right, right. And the front end of this episode is so perfectly loaded. It's reasonably quiet, but it, it then runs right into a heartbeat. And then the pan-out shot is of Phil Coulson on the table. And I'm like, oh, boy, this will surely destroy Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my love of Phil Coulson. Yeah. Well, yes, yes, this is the the episode grabs you by the heartstrings from the damn get go. I think I think even from the what happened inside the last episode. Well, yeah, I mean they've they've manufactured it so that you have you have a choice. A choice. It's either right. save the world or save Phil Coulson. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay well, well, I know what sucks. I'm going to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Screw you, world. Phil Coulson all the way. It's going to be Nick, Phil Coulson, and space. That's all there's going to be left. You know what? And that's going to be an adventure (laughs) unto itself because we also have a spaceship. Too true. So it's okay. All right. But the beginning of this sets sets the tone, sets the mood. It's Mm -hmm. this is a fractured team who are fractured because of this man who is lying unconscious Mm -hmm. with a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Thank God. And you don't know what to do. You don't know what to expect. You want to think you know what to expect. Oh, everything will be okay. No. No, this is Marvel. This is this is the company that's okay with just making half of their characters just disappear mm-hmm. in dust. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I, I, it's funny that you've, you've struck on that because that's exactly what follows through the entire episode. You're never really sure what's going to happen at all. 
you can have some ideas, which I think all of us do. We have some concept of what's going to happen. And I try to stifle it in my end in that the, I, I try to not think, of, oh, well, this is going to happen. Right. I, well, it's the I, whole I, loop. I don't do that. But we, this... we know that there's a loop, mm-hmm. but and, and we know that, okay, we're going to break the loop. We have to break the loop because we know that the world does not turn into, you know, big cracks Ash, of earth. Right. Mm-hmm. But how will the loop be broken? Mm-hmm. And what are the consequences of breaking that loop? Yeah. And that's what we're worried about when we sit down and we, we watch this for the first time. It's how are they breaking that loop and who's going to suffer for it? Yeah. The value of organized argument, chaos. They've done it four or five times inside this season alone. And for those of you that think it's really easy to just know your lines and then argument interact with people. Oh, it's no, not that's... easy at all. And to, to pull it off and have it look like it's real is even more difficult because you have to be having a conversation, an organized, loud, argumented conversation with somebody inside the room, regardless of what is going on inside the room. And it's done wonderfully here. And it gets at the more front difficult end. the more people you add to it. You have yeah. two people and, arguing, and then that's you got the okay. Whole team. Right. right. You have two people arguing, that's fine. You can talk over each other, no big deal. Three people arguing, okay, so somebody's focus is going to be bouncing back and forth between three people. Right. Now add seven. Yeah. So you're going to have two people yelling at one people across the room and then somebody's somebody else on by the door is going to say something and the focus is going to shift mm-hmm. on that and back yeah. and forth. Yeah. This it's a dance. Yeah. It's a verbal dance. And it's handled. But, it's handled perfectly here. It, it also escalates. Is I think yes. that's what I really appreciate about this scene too. Is that you know it starts off terse to begin with, and then it escalates in into that absolute argument piece. But they're they're all they're all kind of right. True. Yeah. I think one of the one of the great things about it is is that the beginning of the argument, and not even the beginning, we we join the argument in progress, mm-hmm. but. We actually are introduced to it through Deke's eyes. Yeah. Because yeah, remember, Piper comes in, you know, n- still no change on Colson. What's going on in there? How's it going? And he's like, eh, I shouldn't be in there. That, that, that's off. That's, this is for them to decide. Yeah, I'm not a part of that. I also think that's very big of Deke, too. Yeah. Because you would, even if he was only just going to watch, you know, you think he would, he would, he would try to insert himself if only just to get the experience of. You know, being around legends, because that's what we're talking about creating here. Oh, yeah. A touching moment by Mac. Clinging to hope and we vote. This is one of the first most moving scenes Mm. inside the episode done by the giant chocolate man once again. The man that made me cry in a bar two and a half years ago (laughs) makes me cry at least two or three times inside this episode. This is the first. The concept of clinging to hope, especially in... The Trails of Infinity War Despair. I love the tapestry that Marvel creates and then just yanks on the chains. They, they really do, and th- this episode is a perfect testament to doing it so that it works. It all works perfectly. It's like the perfect bite of a perfect burrito. Mm. It, it's got so many different flavors, so many different emotions, uh, but the bites of the burrito actually puzzle piece and fit into other things that you know and are aware of. And I think that's extraordinary. My takeaway from this scene is not necessarily Mac, because, you know, Mac is great. Mac does what you expect Mac to do. The heartbreaking part of this scene is yo-yo. The fact that 
And she even says it, you're making me be the bad guy. Stop making me be the bad guy. And I remember my first viewing, I'm like, put that down. Mm -hmm. I was angry. Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Uh, you know what? I hope something crushes you. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of your, 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 your 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 single track mindedness. You're just as bad as Daisy. Now, of course, I ease up throughout the episode. By the third time I've watched this, my heart is breaking Mm -hmm. because I feel exactly what she's feeling. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Mac, the the only real language Mac has ever really been able to definitely connect with where Yo-Yo is concerned is, is her faith and hope and that we don't give up. And... The fact that he's even he's even offering the vote. It's like, okay, we're a family. This is what we do. We're going to vote. No, Not one person is going to make the decision. We're all going to make the decision. And that's great. Until... The odium gets gone. So saith May. Wow. Wow. And I can remember vividly us first being introduced to May sitting in... A corner inside of a warehouse. A dark cubicle just surrounded by paperwork. Yeah, where she had been shunted and and, and thrust into, here's some nothingness for you. Mm. And I think what's always held true for her, even even in the most dire moments or the most verbose moments that she's ever had, there is a silent power about May. And this scene almost perfectly frames her and what she would do, especially in a case like this. Mm-hmm. And it's magical. It's, oh, yeah. It's absolutely magical. It also reminds me of the power of not sitting and blathering about what's going to happen in an episode, but literally show us. You and I have said the words, don't tell us, show us. Mm-hmm. A hundred times. Oh, yeah. Over and over. In a variety of different properties. And it could never be more plain, and this is the way it should happen, than what happens here. Right. The crushing of the glass, the the what you now know it means, and the absolute silent pan to May as they snap back into focus. And she reveals that the odium is now gone. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not a factor, and now there is no decision to make. I've taken the decision away. I'm the bad guy. Yeah. And she, but she apologizes. She does say that she's sorry to Yo-Yo, but it's more of the, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Right. I'm sorry that I had to do this to you, but I'm not sorry that I did it. Yeah. Talbot's assertion that Robin can just draw whatever on command. This is very interesting. And I think what I love most about it, it is it's not a pick at all on Talbot or the character as it's written. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute showcase of the character that Talbot has become. Yes. I.e., all right, so I need you to divine me some information. Here's a marker. Well, it doesn't work like that. All you got to do is little dot. Little dot, just give me a little dot. <laughs> it, 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 Glenn, it, it's never worked like that. <laughs> you know this. There are thousands of pages that you can go and reference, Glenn. It, it, none, of, none of it works like that. Yeah. And that he does it not once but twice inside this episode. It, it, is, it is amazing. And uh, originally I thought, it was, I thought it was just a whoops, we need to have this information filled inside the storyline. Well, that's not the case at all. It's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. And it, it perfectly fits what they've done to Talbot inside this entire series as they put him on this, you know, what seems like a one-way path to destruction here. It's right. really well done. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that I like it. 
that that he turns into the villain. Uh, I, I, it's actually very heartbreaking mm-hmm. because I like the character, mm-hmm. but plays the villain so well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of the mixture of who he was before he was broken yeah. and what he's become now that he's a part of the Gravitonium yeah. and all the other voices whispering in his, yeah. his in his head. And this is also probably another great place to put in the you know the transformation of what they've done with him as a character in that one of the most subtle pieces that's done here, if you guys remember the original concept art, uh, we'll, we'll link to it and it's in, it's in our Facebook presence over mm. facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. But if you remember the original concept art, it's it's very comic booky. Oh yeah, yeah, you very. Know, look at the white outfit with three giant red giant orbs. Giant red it. orbs it's, that glow. Yeah. And, and, it, it's and all, the cape. Let's not forget yeah. the cape. It's all fantastic artwork that is comic book based. But more importantly, his he's got like this tri beard, you know, mm. where it's it's a goatee and then you take two stripes out of it in in the comic book. But then inside what they've done inside the series, and I didn't notice it maybe until. I think it might even just be this episode and that I watched it three times. Yeah. What they've done, though, is that they've actually put two gray ribs in his goatee that mm-hmm. was just this giant bush of, what the hell's happening? Why haven't you shaved in three months beard? Right. Which is what he had previously. Mm-hmm. And that they've bothered to do that to help the transformation of the character, not just to make to help you understand that it's that's not Talbot anymore. Right. That's somebody and something solely different. It, it's a subtle change that... Uh, go back and look at it inside of any of the scenes that he's included inside of here. It absolutely changes his character without question. It also makes him just something solely different than what you, the last vestiges that you see of, of Talbot as he's transformed into the not yet named Graviton. Graviton. Yeah. So, well, I, I also, I think it's also a throwback. I think, I think uh, whether it's done consciously or subconsciously in writers and filmmakers, Ever since, and I know we've talked about this mm-hmm. specifically on this show too, Mirror Mirror in the Star in the Star Trek universe, mm. the Mirror Mirror. Mm. Ever since Mirror Mirror, when oh, so we're in a different, we're in a universe where everybody's a bad guy and they have goatees, mm-hmm. dark goatees, dark goatees. You got to remember, it's dark goatees. Right. Your villains, what do we got? He he had a big scruffy beard before he became a bad guy, mm-hmm. and now he's got himself a nice, nice looking goatee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's wonderful, and it, again, the subtlety, uh, where I really noticed it the most, I think, was when he was on the ground with Daisy. I, you look at it, and you can see that, because originally I thought they actually cut it, you know, like into a, a pseudo Tony Stark-esque pseudo beard slash oh, yeah, goatee, yeah. but it's not, it's not, it's actually just colored. Robin's focal point of, it's either Mommy's Gone or Talbot's Way. This is crushing. Mm-hmm. And it's perfectly crushing, but it's swept up by pace inside of the way that they've written this episode. So perfectly. Again, the whole here, draw this, him backing off. And then you can, the, the ramp of what happens inside of this scene and the scene subsequent to it is magical in that they're giving you the peril you do not want. You do not want the mom to be put on this teeter-totter of, okay, do what I want or she dies. Except here it is. You don't want it, but you're also expecting it because we have been given clues to the events that lead up to the destruction of Earth all season long. Mm-hmm. Now we're here. This is it. Within this, within this next 44 minutes, we are going to see the events that are supposed to lead up to Cracked Earth. 
and we know certain things that happen. We know that in the future, Robin grows up to have May as her mommy because her real mommy died somehow. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, one would believe it was because Talbot throws her in the brig and something bad happens to her between being thrown in the brig and crumbs of earth. Mm -hmm. So here we are. We're, we're, things are progressing to where uh, we're running out of time. There is the ticking clock. The ticking clock is on the earth, and will it be crumbs of earth or not? And this is really the first signpost to a uh, turn back now or point of no return. A riff that cannot be repaired. Inside this episode, uh, th there's all kinds of incredibly emotional moments mm -hmm. but one that's on the front the very front end of this episode it's it's again it's right after this scene it's the scene where mac and yo-yo you can clearly see not only is there a riff there is a wall and can it possibly be repaired at this point and you really have to ask you know okay they've built all of these beats in what what is it they're going to do at the end of all this right and it's the peril. It's the peril. The difference is that the peril is not a building coming down on somebody. The peril is not aliens shooting lasers and then snap to black. The peril is what's going to happen with the relationship between Mac, a character I did not originally like, yeah. and Yo-Yo, a character that has become very, very confrontational in the last four or five episodes. Yeah. And, you know, why would we care? And the answer is, well, we do care incredibly. And that's where I, again, I, a total nod of the cap and to the writers that make this episode and and how they can dip into something that you would think is just not all that important in, in the scope of things. Well, yeah, it is. The relationships with, with the characters, of the characters and with the, with the characters between themselves, that is what makes a show. You can have all the action and monsters and aliens that mm -hmm. you want. Yeah. But if you do, if you don't have a relationship with the characters that you're following, both as a viewer and then the relationship between the characters that you're watching, you don't have a show. Right. You got people just running around following lines on a script. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I don't know about you, but I ain't gonna watch that shit. Right. The value of smashing a skyline with an alien ship. Sorry, Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably the best part to bring it up. But isn't it amazing how many times and often Chicago gets shat on? Well, Michael Especially, Bay loves to to, yeah. to shit on, on Chicago. Yeah. Didn't and, he destroy it in one of his, yeah, his oh, uh, big Transformer time. movies? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Big time, big time. Like it's not yeah. there anymore, right? And uh, this made me wonder: wh who are the who are the Chicago-based presences in the, in the Marvel universe? Do you, do you as the Marvel fan knowledge book guy, do you do you know of any? Currently, I mean, every every once in a while, just to shake things up, they'll the Marvel bullpen will move a character to a different city, not just New York. I don't know if there's anybody currently living in Chicago right now, though. Yeah, and that's actually our first call to the audience inside this Whopper of an episode. Contact us via our website over at agentsofshield.tv. Click on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us which Marvel-based hero ever was based in Chicago. Yeah, so anyway, the, the, the gist here is that, wow, he just landed an alien ship on buildings inside of downtown Chicago. But the great it, thing about it is that this is Marvel. 
So, of course, it's going to be Chicago, not some made-up city like Metropolis yeah. or Gotham yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's a place that we know, especially yeah. since we're based here in the Midwest. We're, we're you know, we record out of St. Louis, mm-hmm. which is a five-hour drive from Chicago. I've been to Chicago several times. I know you've been mm-hmm. to Chicago several times. Yeah, so, well, we know Chicago. So, when we see Chicago getting crunched on yeah. by a spaceship mm-hmm. we're like oh oh poor chicago yeah and it was very interesting that that was the choice here too because was it just to terrorize i guess because couldn't he have just hovered the ship and then T- technically he could have left the ship he did not have to do see that's the that's the thing about what you have to think about talbot moving forward over the last two episodes with the gravitonium not only more gravitonium being pumped into him mm-hmm. but also the personalities being absorbed Swimming into around, him as yeah. well mm-hmm. he's not thinking about everybody else right and i mean that is made clear by the end of this when he has the confrontation with daisy mm-hmm. this proves he's not thinking about anybody except for the objective it's get the job done at whatever cost and just crushing a couple of buildings and killing a couple hundred people eh collateral damage <laughs> A short, salient dialogue. Coulson and Yo-Yo. I wasn't arguing to kill you. Another conversation I never thought we'd be privy to. And what a gift that even though it's incredibly short, we're, you know, flying a wall for this conversation. Mm-hmm. Incredibly powerful. I don't, okay. I, I, I will say we, we didn't have to see this conversation, but for some viewers who may still feel a little irritated at Yo-Yo for mm-hmm. what she's been doing over mm-hmm. the last four or five episodes. This right here helps to heal some of that mm-hmm. because Coulson understands exactly what she's been doing and kind of agrees with her. You know, he does not look at himself as the linchpin to saving the world. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe he's that hero. And for him to agree, at least even half agree with Yo-Yo on I may not understand your means, but I understand your meaning of what you're doing and what you're trying to do. Yeah, and you've actually hit it right on the head, too, that that the admission part of I would have done the same thing you did, Mm. knowing that it would mean his own death. Right. And then eventually where we get inside the episode, I think that that's where this episode really starts to build on you in regard to emotional payoff. (laughs) Yeah. That, you know, there's, there's just, there's so much that happens inside of this episode, it's incredibly impactful. The concept of taking what fixes Garrett and injecting it. Time for a discussion. This is something I think you and I just accidentally glanced on previously. Mm -hmm. But for those of you that have forgotten, nothing good came of anything that was injected into Garrett. Nothing. Even the whole I'm going to be living longer thing. For for as much as I want Bill Paxton to still be alive and running around <laughs> talking to us, if you had if there were options of and Bill gets to live on and be Garrett like or Bill has to die, well Bill would have to die because you don't want the other pieces of what kept Garrett alive swimming around in you. Right, so I, right. I, I think that's even more of a it helps take what is a, an incredibly emotional moment and call and helps lift it out of that into you know what choice would you make. If you ha- if you knew you had to swim with the potential twisty turny, 
you know, life is a sharp dual dual edged knife of what Garrett got because he was able to live on, or you had to die. Which one would you pick? Well, the the real question on top of that is, yes, the centipede serum worked. It gave people abilities. It gave people that extra oomph. Was prolonged exposure to the centipede formula what made Garrett crazy, or was he already crazy to begin with because he was already he was Hydra? Mm-hmm. You know that's that's something to go back and kind of examine with that first season. Was Garrett the way that he was because he was Hydra? Then started injecting himself with super giddy up juice, mm-hmm. or was he already crazy? And the super giddy up juice just made it worse. I'll tell you, you, you know, know? The, the the value of a program like Agents of Shield is that you and I talking about th- this one bullet point inside this one episode makes me want to go back and watch all the pieces with Bill Paxton, mm-hmm. and that's that's a, that's the absolute showcase of a quality show. Yeah, I remember doing exactly the same thing with the the Sopranos as I was watching it way post when it was on. Mm. The Sopranos is something I love to just toss in the background and have playing while I'm working on insert name a project. But what I really like about it is when at some point inside the storyline, they'll mention something that happened previously and that now with the advent of HBO go, you can now right. go back and just watch whatever you want, whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. And I love that. That's the piece of, you know, I, 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 I don't like that in that it provides us a, an entire library of stuff that we can't do an instant review of. Right. Like uh, daredevil season one is a perfect sample. Where it's 13 episodes and it's all in front of everybody's face. <laughs> yeah, and now yeah. what do we, how do we review that? But I do love that you can go back later and just dig into whatever you want right now. It, it's incredibly valuable, but it, that that is a hallmark to the writing of this program. And that they've got you. They totally got you. Yeah. They, they have you now as you watch the ebb of what could have been the, se- the series finale. That, it, that turned into the season finale. And then that episode makes you want to go back and dig into the stuff that you'd watched previously. They really they get it. They totally get it. Mm. Pulling a core out of poor Chicago. Man, this is just awesome. The only thing that would have made this more awesome is if we'd have done it more. I, I, I love that this giant, ripped, several hundred feet tall core gets ripped out of Oof, Chicago. Yeah, that And then the and then the moment is all of it is just it's perfect. All that destruction it, for maybe about a, a gallon? A half a gal half a gallon yeah. it looked I don't know if you can actually measure gravitonium in gallons. It's only it, volume. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I would say there was about a half a gallon of of gravitonium he just sucked up and then instead of what he could have done is put the core back where it was to where there was no discretion oh no no just let it fall, fall. Yeah. yeah on top of at least a couple hundred feet yeah. worth of gr- ground and granite and 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 stuff that's not supposed j- to fall right yeah. on yeah. people yeah on on the populace yeah again another another just just slap in the face of i only want what i want mm-hmm. because it will further the mission, and I will save the world. Mm-hmm. All of this destruction that I'm causing, ah, who cares? Mm-hmm. Because in the long run, I will save the world. Mm-hmm. Not only the world, the universe. Mm-hmm. Choosing the chocolate man to call the shots. A moral center. A general we all can rally behind. 
Okay, insert second moment that the chocolate man made me cry inside this episode. <laughs> Thanks. For me, it wasn't even it wasn't even Mac who made me cry. It was Daisy. All of them. They're all making me cry well, this yes. episode. Anybody who anybody who <laughs> believes that this is the this is the right choice, raise your hand. Everybody raise their hand. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> <laughs> blubbering man flesh. Yep. Absolutely inside this episode. And and I love it. I love that I'm so emotionally invested in what these characters do, especially in a, a tiny little forty four minute episode version of this series. Mm. That's the other thing that I know you and I can absolutely agree with across the last series of seasons of this program. You, you just got out of Solo yesterday, mm -hmm. and I think I'm going to see it today or tomorrow. And we're going to go in there, and you're going to get your emotional tether tie, and then you're going to get your entertainment tie, and you're going to have an equation at the end of it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of that, it's, do you know the runtime of it? What is it, a couple uh, two hours? Two hours, 15 minutes. Two hours, 15 minutes. All right. So two hours and 15 minutes, insert level of satiation from solo okay fine this is 44 minutes <laughs> yeah this is 44 minutes and we're going to talk more about how this and other variety of things compare it, it is so short and that it impacts you so hard so many times it is it is an absolute testament to writing but also to the power of the marvel universe uh, the other thing that this totally doesn't have anything to do with is infinity war Right. Do you know how easy it could have been to just write something that somehow dovetailed into Infinity War? Mm -hmm. They didn't do it. They didn't, it, it, they didn't it bother. Been, Nothing. It could have been the e their easy way out. And I and, and again, we are skipping towards the end, but I'm appreciative that they didn't. Me too. Me too. Because uh, that that shows that this show stands on its own. Yes. It doesn't have to have the movies to exist. Yeah. Oh, and, and and I I really loved that. Yeah, I, I, not only do I love that, but it helps it stand alone. Mm. I, I, I we'll get more into it. We'll get more into it. I keep stepping on the gas to jump on that. We'll, we'll eventually get to the comparisons. The gist here, though, is that having Mac, who four episodes ago was the guy that was locked in a room, and then all of them now realizing have having the absolute light bulb moment that he's the man that's going to lead. I love it. It because not, not because it's it's the twisty turny of storytelling, it's the most appropriate answer there is. It it just is. Well, when you think about it, when when Daisy brings it up, you're like, well, of course he has to be the new director. Of course he has to be the new leader. But the thing, the, the one thing that I don't want us to overlook is that the scene right before this is a nice little quiet scene between Daisy and Deke, mm -hmm. who is leaving. He's going to go out and explore the world because he doesn't know whether or not he's going to pop out of existence. Mm -hmm. But his his final parting two cents to Daisy was, you got to fix things. you got to fix the team. That, that trust needs to be rebuilt because I loved how he put it. He said, when I met you people, you amazed me. I've seen people kill each other at the drop of the hat before with no problems, but I've never seen a group of people willing to die for each other. It's all and that Deke, that Deke puts Daisy on the road to saying, well, if I'm in charge, I say Max in charge. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're all fine with that. Boom. Pulling the appropriate PD decals to cement the picture. For those of you that are curious... While I did not see the word Chicago, what they did have were police cars and firefighting gear, all of which had appropriate decals to denote Chicago. 
an incredibly small detail. They could have had any police thing with just the word police. Right. And it wouldn't have made any difference, really. But that they took the time to not only have the decals, but the uniform on that on that one cop right, yeah. that is the feature. It That is what the Chicago PD wears, is that the the blue shirt, the uh, the checkered cap, the the dark pants with the stripe, all that's terribly appropriate. And if they bother to go to that, that series of minutiae on something like this is incredibly appropriate. It helps. It helps sells it. Because it, uh, something that, uh, as an avid watcher of television programs, uh, both TV and movies, it's cheaper to shoot in Canada. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Well, And if you don't, now you do. Mm-hmm. So New York, for example. Well, Vancouver mm-hmm. kind of resembles New York. So it'll be used a lot to represent New York or even Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- one of my longtime running favorite shows to watch uh, on the CW is Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Now, anytime Supernatural rolls into the Midwest, specifically St. Louis, which has happened three times in the last 13 seasons, mm. I can I, I already I can go like that ain't St. Louis. None of those streets, none of those neighborhoods look anything like St. Louis. And I'm sure people who live in, let's say, Chicago, if the Winchesters roll into Chicago, they'll go, that's not Chicago. Mm-hmm. That's Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And it's it's for the the benefit of being able to have a show because it's cheap. Mm-hmm. I felt like this was Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, to totally. me, to me, because of the little details that they put in, I felt like mm-hmm. okay, we are in Chicago. This is not us over in Vancouver, faking Chicago. We're in Chicago. Yeah, I think the only other thing I wanted to mention here too is that I so wish there could have been the availability of having several hundred extra people. Because that's the only thing yeah. that was missing. Look, they're evacuating a building, and there's nine people running. Eh. You know, again, you have to give and take inside of a program like this. And it was, if I had one detractor, there's your negative detractor, is that they just couldn't have four or 500 people running someplace. Or at least the budget to Photoshop them in or CGI them yeah. in to make it look a little bit more crowded. Yeah, yeah. Evacuating a series of crushed buildings and taking a giant disbelief pill. For those of you that are curious, I host another program called WhatCopsWatch.com, where I invite a series of law enforcement and first responder professionals to come on and talk about what you see inside of television, feature films, and more. And the bottom line about what you see here in regard to evacuation of a major metropolitan city, not so awesome. You have to take a major league disbelief pill not just because of the crowd count like we've already talked about but the the response on something like this inside of a downtown metropolitan area Mm -hmm. it would be massive right there would be people everywhere uh more importantly there would be destruction everywhere and they do they do a reasonable job of especially showing talbot standing face front inside of destruction and and there's also a lot of tight shots Mm -hmm. of firemen bandaging people of police motioning people to run this way there's never a lot of huge wide shots where we're supposed to see right giant barricades you mm-hmm. know the, the we've cornered off a, a five block area there are a handful of those and again we've talked about it looked a little sparse because mm-hmm. they didn't have enough extras mm-hmm. but i think they they played it off with all the tight shots. Oh yeah, they did. Well, the, the most important part is that they pushed it all across with with pace. 
Yes. It, it's the it's the magic of what they've done inside of Agents of Shield immemorial really since the end of season 1. Mm. They're able to propel the storyline and get you over the disbelief bits with tinier disbelief pills with the pace. Mm. This one you really do have to take a major disbelief pill though because uh, again, two buildings where planes got hit, you you can go back and watch the literal chaos that was going on. Now imagine what? Three entire city blocks impacted. It's a big deal. It, it would be a, a massive undertaking, and the response to it would be beyond phenomenal. It, the, the You would see so many fire trucks and, and police offerings and emergency vehicles, and it, it would be staggering. I, I, it I would don't... be. It, it definitely would be, but the thing is, is that that's not what this episode's about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because of the pace, we, we deal with it... Mm-hmm. But we don't focus on it yeah. like we would if this were a big budget Hollywood movie. Agreed. Because that would be the focus. Yeah. The focus would be let's show the destruction. We got to show the destruction. Well, yeah. And that's, you, you've already mentioned it. That's exactly what happens inside the Transformer film where Chicago gets mm, yeah, destroyed. Yeah. I mean, it is. There's just black smoke rising from everywhere and the place is trash. Yeah. They thrash Chicago inside that film. This is about saving lives and showing S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. working with the first responders, the, the paramedics the police officers and the fire department working together to save as many people as they possibly can while Daisy deals with the real threat. Yeah, it also showcases the value of having what essentially is an announcement system. Many times that's been claimed. In fact, any of you that are old enough, you'll remember an emergency broadcast system Mm -hmm. test. This is only a test. You'll remember that... Sound that you you then hear after that after those announcements would be announced on television and then the screen would come back and your show's back on. Mm-hmm. But the fact that one of those exists, perhaps, does one of those exist and work inside of a major metropolitan catastrophe like this? Maybe not, because even uh, again, if we take nine eleven as a perfect real world sample, where doom. Okay, mm-hmm. well, yeah. next to nothing was working that day. Uh, you had radio traffic, but the connectivity inside the radio traffic, absolute chaos. Well, I think it's it's Shield Tech. That's how I that's how I look at that. It's Shield has just a little bit above average normal everyday technology mm-hmm. to where they could pull something like that off. Yeah. It didn't feel like it was the way it was supposed to go. Daisy and Coulson's tool transfer speech, heart and arms. Man, this is another piece that needs to get into a, a forever meme because it is one of the sole moments inside the episode where the chocolate man is not available and I'm blubbering. <laughs> it's just, you know, having a 14-year-old daughter where I hope that someday she gives me something like this mm. is just amazing. And it's it's so heartfelt. And I love that the actors, the actors are able to convey... Their real life tethers inside yeah. of every single word that they have here. More importantly, again, I put my mind in the mind of an actor. Being able to not instantly break down while you're conveying these deep, resonating sentences to each other, it is a masterwork. Well, getting yourself masterwork. getting yourself to that point to where you could. Yeah. So in the back of your mind, you have put yourself emotionally in this place to where your character is supposed to be able to feed off of that if need be. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's one of the biggest challenges of acting is when do you access that? 
how much of it do you access and can you readily turn it off? Right, right. And right. when you do turn it off, how easily can you turn it back on? Mm -hmm. Those are things that some actors spend a lifetime trying to learn. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. Hell, and, I'm still trying to learn that yeah. myself. Well, and you're not the only ones. There are many actors. In <laughs> well, fact, there yeah. are many incredibly well-paid actors that don't do it well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this <laughs> there are this so is many. true. There, there are so many. And again, that we get this weekly inside of a stupid little comic book series on television mm -hmm. on Friday nights. Just amazing stuff here inside this scene. And the fact that his speech actually does tell her exactly what she needs to know to win, but we don't realize it until, you know, it's almost the moment where she loses. You have the heart to be able to talk to him, to reach to him, reach him and talk him down. And if not, you're going to have the strength in your arms to beat the holy hell out of him. Yeah, beat his ass. But wink, so, wink, nudge, so nudge, I've slipped you something in your gauntlets, in your arms, that you can win. So I, I love it's I love amazing. little things like that. It's amazing. And then the tether, you get to reach back into this conversation at the point in the episode where you discover that he did slip or something. Mm. It's, it's, just, it's amazing. <laughs> Knowing that the end is coming. When I say the end, folks, I'm not talking about the end of the episode. I'm not even referring to the end of the series. I'm talking about the end of Phil Coulson. And in the front end of this episode, you start with the heartbeat, him on the table. Okay, there's the foreshadowing nobody wants to see, in particular the dude that's sitting across from him. Nah. And every single time that he's given the opportunity to provide lines inside of this episode, it is another foot out the door. And you think every line is his last yeah, line. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what, what I really love about that is, again, it helps me understand my endearment to Coulson mm. and, and the value of the meaning of a character that was pretty much an accidental pencil scratch. We need to further along the story. Um, I don't know. Put in Coulson, maybe. And it works that way if that's all you were to give him. The difference is that he has become so much more. Not just because of this program either, but because of the power of Coulson. No, oh, yeah. And you get that every single time knowing that the end is coming inside this episode. And that's what makes it even more powerful. Neither of them make it. This was extraordinary where Fitz exclaims that neither Mac or Polly, Robin's mom, make it. So I'm like, okay, we've just, what the hell are we now digging into that, you know, it, again, where you don't quite understand what is going on, but all of the, it makes sense. Uh, the score inside the episode changes. The entire atmosphere of the storytelling changes. And it is another jerk of the wheel that nobody would expect. Guess who's going to die inside this episode? The guy that just got named the leader and... The mom that's not supposed to die. What? Well, uh, if, again, if, the, the if, whole jerky turny of right. the wheel inside of this is awesome. The if, if the timeline did does not get changed, these are the events that lead up to crumbs of earth. Yeah, and again, another big flashing light. Like, oh God, what? what when are we going to get to the point to where? We do turn things around. Yeah. How far do we have to get to crumbs of earth before we can pull up on the stick mm -hmm. and avoid it? Yeah. 
all Quake and Talbot connective tissue scenes. It was just easier to mark them all with one big giant red marker. And <laughs> well, that's true. Awesome. Lump them all together, yeah. Again, as fast as you would think, all of these scenes from stem to stern would become just giant soliloquy moments that they talk about and poke at inside the original Incredibles film. Mm. It's not. It's absolutely not. Everything that's conveyed from Talbot is a character portrayal of a series of people that are so screwed up in the head anyway, spilling off of a guy that has a straight moral center, and then the reflections of all those things to whomever he's speaking to. Right. And then Daisy's absolute stalwart factoid that she must win. It's all here. Mm. And it's inside of every single scene that it's captured inside this episode. The thing that amazes me about the confrontation scene is that it doesn't, her speech to Talbot doesn't work. Because, and and I, I, I'm not saying that I don't like the, the progression right. of it, the episode. It, it doesn't work to make a solution for Talbot to give up. Right. Right. I agree with you. I, I agree with I, you. I'm, I'm fine with the events of how everything worked out. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that that speech, I mean, her, I'm like, well, I give up. <laughs> I'm not even doing anything wrong and I give up. And the fact that there's a moment where you think she's reached him. And then it's like, oh, well, Hale gave me the same speech right before she she uh, started torturing me for six months. And Coulson gave me the same speech every single time he was about to stab me in the back. Yeah. And we're like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that, shit. That, that whole little pivot right at the last second is is wonderfully placed. The other thing that's perfectly placed is is the wonderful acting from Talbot. And that, again, it all of this could instantly turn into, okay, and now it's time for his magical CGI cape to reappear because he's going to soliloquy. Yeah. And it doesn't. It ebbs and becomes a perfect puzzle piece placement for each time that he speaks in regard to what he's talking about. It's really well done. We also realize how far gone he is. Totally. Because if this was our Glenn Talbot, that would have worked. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that he is so drunk on power and he is so messed up in his head that it, that nothing is reaching him yeah. it is still all about my mission to become the most powerful being so that i can save the world yeah, yeah. the ends justify the means no no glenn if 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 you were the real person that you used to be if you were general glenn talbot before you were broken you would know the ends do not always justify the means even though I'm saying I'm, I am saying that I'm not, I'm I'm not dissing how his arc comes to an end. I understand it, and I'm glad that they took enough time to show how far gone the character was mm-hmm. as he progressed. Yeah. Instead of just hey, I'm a bad guy now. A crushing blow for Fitz that none of us will recover from. I originally wrote this bullet point the first time I saw this episode because Uh I could have easily changed this after seeing the episode multiple times, right? Right. Because you have no idea where the story is going. But it seemed appropriate to leave it in here this way Mm -hmm. because you really do think this is it. The the habits that we have inside of this program of buildings falling on people are never really good. (laughs) Well, yeah. And so I thought that I really did think that that was it. I thought that that was, that was how they were going to write off Fitz and then skew the tangent of the timeline. I didn't know at all what they were going to do with it, and it's a testament to the storytelling ability of the program 
after they eventually do write more story for him, not only just inside this episode, but in regard to the series. Right. And I just I wanted to make sure that there was the first pin in the process of our discussion put in what I thought was going to happen originally when I first saw the episode. I love this section because not only is it showing the peril of Fitz with the building falling on him, but it's also showing the peril of Coulson, who is passed out and not breathing and there is no heartbeat. And it's also showing Talbot damn near ready to just absorb Daisy. Mm -hmm. So you're now wondering... Oh, oh shit, which one of these characters is going to die? Are all of these characters going to die? Who will walk who will who will come out of this? Mm-hmm. Daisy comes out of it. Coulson comes out of it and Fitz comes out of it. He, he, the, the 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 ceiling falling on him isn't what kills him. We we see that he is alive as well as they're pulling the 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 debris as Mac and May are pulling the the debris off of him. We see his arm moving, so oh he's alive. Coulson takes a breath. Oh thank you, he's alive. Daisy does what she does, and and is able to fight back against Talbot. She's alive. It's like oh oh, did we dodge a bullet? Yeah. But then of course you know the episode continues, and what what, what is that we. You, no heroic deed goes unpunished. Yeah. 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 And that's what we get. This scene is, it is the transformative scene of the episode, yes, but there are so many others that are just chameleon-like inside of the, the latter parts of this episode. It's just, again, it's a, it's a piece of extraordinary writing. It wasn't just that Coulson didn't take it. It's that Daisy needed it. The, the first awesome bump in the storytelling is May chooses period paragraph. Mm. Just incredibly bold stroke story writing. The second one is that, okay, Phil chooses to not take it because he's Phil Coulson, goddammit. There's your giant didn't, second didn't one. Didn't seem like it'd be fair. Right. Well, it's not proven. Wow. It, it's yeah. a, fair? Come on, man. You've saved the world several times. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not prudent. It's not what needs to happen. Okay, fine. All right. Second giant storytelling. Awesome. Perfect. The only way it could get more perfect is, of course, her whipping it out at the last second as she's being absorbed and it being the elixir that allows her to separate what is going on and then get the upper hand or upper gauntlets. In this Gives case. her that little extra mojo that uh, Gemma was talking about. Yeah, it, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary writing. It's extraordinary tip of the cap to the Daisy and Coulson relationship. But more importantly, it's Phil Coulson giving again. Mm-hmm. And I love it. It's just, it's, it's incredibly thick writing. Daisy sends Talbot sunward. Probably the most worthless effect also inside the series, also inside the episode. But it was interesting to know that she she shot him into orbit or not. She shot him into outer space. Yeah. And, and I, evidently I, so fast that he couldn't recover. Right. He because he created. He, well, and he doesn't know how. He's frozen. Not only that, he doesn't know how. I don't even know that he was frozen. He just, he instantly, there, there's no ability to do anything. Mm. 
And obviously, this is a comic book movie, and while we see the body, quote-unquote, what we don't see is when either the body stops or is found by something else that will help revive him, which I guarantee is going to happen. Well, we'll we'll save that for later on down in the the review. Okay. But yeah, yeah. Recovering fits, a moment none of us recover from. Kudos to the writing staff. Not just for creating another blubbering moment for Mike Wilkerson, but also for creating another blubbering chocolate man moment inside of this scene. And also for taking a character that since the end of season one into season two, I hated. I absolutely hated Fitz and could not stand looking at what they had created with the whole plexing... I could not stand that. And that they have taken a character that I loathed and turned it into something so endearing that it moves me to tears quite literally Yeah, inside of this scene is extraordinary. Another giant kudos to the actor that plays Fitz for pulling off a death scene. For yeah. those of you that are actors oh. and have had to either pull off a death scene or watch a really bad actor pull off a death scene, it is... It is the moment of absolute call. You know, okay, I call. Let's see it. And it traditionally turns to mush. It it almost always just goes out the window. There are a handful of appropriate cinematic deaths that I can name. All the ones that can move me right are the ones I can tell you that are awesome. But all of the ones that are stupid, they're dumb. Like, oh, yeah. The, yeah. You, you look at them and you go, okay, that's dumb. And what we didn't get inside of this at all, without equivocation, is dumb. This is not dumb. No. It's incredibly well put. It's just on the cusp of disparaging. You know, like like I don't I don't really want to see somebody die. Okay, well there it is. And and mm. it's just on that edge enough. And then you mix in the the cauldron of the chemistry set of the actors that are here and and the touching moments that are given by Mac and and May as as the lights go out. It's just it's incredibly moving. I think I spent the last fifteen minutes of this episode, at least the last fifteen minutes of this episode, trying to the on my first viewing, I was a blubbering mess the yeah. first fifteen the last fifteen minutes of this episode. Without question. Second viewing Still blubbering, but not as much of a mess. Third viewing this morning, still could not, couldn't keep the tears from falling. Yeah. But I wasn't. (laughs) The first time I watched this, I, uh, something told me, watch this alone. Yeah. And my my wife was, was out in the yard with her mom and they were doing stuff in the garden. And I watched this by myself the first time when it aired right after you know the the Saturday morning after it aired mm-hmm. I watched it for the first time and I'm glad I watched it alone because there were a lot of times where I had to stop the episode just so that I could dry, wipe yeah. away the tears Clutch and compose yourself, yeah. myself I'm yeah. like okay here we go yeah. and then luckily I didn't have to stop it at all this third viewing mm-hmm. but I still had the, the, the emotions were still going mm-hmm. and I didn't know. A did not foresee this happening. Did not foresee Fitz being the casualty of saving the world. Not in a million years. No. And, and again, at all. this is, I want to get on this horse because I know we're going to get it. We'll get it inside the comments. Yeah. Those of you that go ah, 
I knew it. A bullshit. There is no way. I prognosticate a lot, and there was no way in the no world way. There, you could no see way. this this thing yeah, coming. Th- there is no unless way. you were Absolute a part magic. of the writing process <laughs> or were there that day on set. You didn't see this coming. Right, right. the uh, The other wonderful piece of this is that not until the second time watching this that I actually get what they had done inside the writing. Mm. That that's when I knew there's. Not just super emotion being tied through, but super story writing that's also going through. And we'll talk more about that as we get going in here. But man, what a what a just a, a wonderful scene that I don't know I'm going to recover from. It it is a goodbye to a character that has become a, a beloved piece of the storytelling weaponry that's available inside of this program. You did good, Turbo. <laughs> you chocolate man. You chocolate man. <laughs> Damn you. Yeah. And uh, just uh, it's it's so moving and and well done. Kudos to everybody in, inside that scene. A story of crushing pressure and survival. It's been a long time since 9-11 now. As we record this episode, it's in the middle of 2018. So 17 years ago. Long time, long time to reflect, long time to create content, feature films, television series, and documentaries of every kind about 9-11. And for those of you that have not seen Oliver Stone's World Trade Center, I encourage all of you to stop what you're doing, including listening to this podcast, and go and watch it. Because while uh, I I do actually know people that have made 9-11 stuff just off limits, it's not a piece of the emotional chapters of their life that they want to go back to. Right. You know, it's some terrible shit, man. It, it doesn't get much yeah. more terrible than the things that happened that day. But what you also have to remember that in the heart of things that go terribly wrong are the heart of stories that will move your heart. And inside World Trade Center, you will find stories of absolute disbelief mm. where two buildings as large as the trade centers can fall And two men can be buried by those buildings and live and then have their story told. And inside of Oliver Stone's World Trade Center, those stories are told and they are incredibly endearing. Mm. The special effects that are achieved inside of that movie are beyond groundbreaking. The actor portrayal by Nicolas Cage and Michael Pena are stellar pieces that absolutely got overlooked Mostly because this is a 9-11 event slash tucked in movie. Right. When I originally heard that Oliver Stone was going to create something 9-11 based, I kind of got my shields up for a moment because, you know, for for lack of a better term, a lot of his movies have a lot of uh, inserted political ties and or emotion or, you know, just outright making stuff up to have it made up because it's a piece of passion that he wants to have shown on the silver screen. And I like Oliver Stone a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I like him as a director a lot. I don't care for many of his political assuasions. But what he did inside this movie is just absolutely tremendous. And the reason I bring it up is because what is talked about specifically inside of that movie is crush damage, which is exactly what, what we're talking about here. And the fact that you can have a building fall on you and crush your legs and your pelvis and everything else... All of that is real world stuff, as well as your body to recover and help compensate, at least for a period of time, what happens if that does happen. Mm -hmm. And it's something I want you all to become educated on. 
Um, I think it's why I've really taken to what CopsWatch.com content is because it helps me prepare other people for the what ifs you don't want to have to wonder about. Mm. And if all you do is listen to our podcast, you've removed a very good percentage of what ifs inside of your life. Anyway, um, th- that is a future perspective review. I just what I'm frankly looking for is I'm looking for the right people to to jump in on that that can right. give us the you know any real justice. We can go and grab people that are you know building engineers and maybe even some of the people that help rescue people or that help with the rescue efforts or the recovery efforts inside of the 9/11 stuffs. But you know finding the appropriate guests for a perspective review of that that's a really strange call. Anyway, Oliver Stone's World Trade Center, make sure you go and see it to learn more about real world, how your body compensates for crush damage inside of the worst of cases. A suitcase, an embrace, a sledgehammer, a multi-tool, and drinks all the way around. (sighs) Wow. Just wow, dude. I'm I'm moved to tears again just by reading the words I wrote when I saw this scene. And the gist here is that I've seen it three times and I don't understand what May is sledgehammering. Oh, that's the uh the fragment of the monolith. Okay. Cuz if you oh, if you oh. look at it, it's got that red stripe in the middle of it. It's mm. it, it's what was left over after the bomb went off in the hangar that destroyed the other monoliths. That was the all that was left. And that's what they used when they were in the future because that was all that was left of the monolith in the future. Okay. So they okay. have officially broken, broken ties with that timeline. Okay. Interesting. I, I, again, all of this is just so incredibly well placed. The suitcase, the planning of someone leaving. Loved it. Uh, an embrace. Again, Yo-Yo and Mac, they're able to, to make up that relationship that can never be fixed. Uh, the sledgehammer moment, which I now have absolute clarity on, which is awesome storytelling, perfect. Uh, the multi-tool scene. Uh, a question left up in the air. Not only left up in the air, but the, uh, again, a little piece of real world here. My dad died this year. And what my bonus mom just sent me was his harmonica. Mm. Wow. Just blah. <laughs> blubbering man flesh right and then the drinks all the way around moment that's inside of this scene is particularly touching mostly because for those of you that don't remember uh, one of the best sayonara scenes for a series is the deep space nine finale where there is a round around the table goodbyes after losing the leader of a team mm-hmm. and this one trumps it a thousand percent that is not to speak to the quality of what was captured inside of the Deep Space Nine episode. Right. That is a total testament to what is captured inside of this episode. Because as much as you think it will, and it's even painted that way, it's, again, it's the brilliance of the episode writing, as much as you think the plaque that is made is for Fitz, yeah. it's not for Fitz. It's for that live guy right there that's talking to you. It's not a going away party. It's a retirement party. Yeah. It's, I, I love that line. It, it's spectacular. It, it, is, it is singularly well-written, and I, I, I guess I look forward to seeing how they're going to trump this. You know, how, how, how do you whip out another hand of, of cards and go, oh, yeah, well, whack. I, and I can't wait to The thing is, though, it. is that it has to be one of the best hands of cards you've ever whipped out 
after this. You have the, the creators of this show, the writers of the show, they have set a bar now. Oh, yeah. Because well, remember, remember, we didn't know if it was coming back. Mm-hmm. Well, we know now. Yeah. We are getting the season six. Mm-hmm. But we've the bar is way up here, it, 100 feet in the air. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the story ability to, to vault that bar mm-hmm. when we come back, what, <laughs> man, I, I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, I don't either. Coulson's being surrounded by hero speech. Blah. Just another incredibly moving moment. Reminds me very much of, for those of you that were able to partake in the Band of Brothers on HBO, uh, Colonel Dick Winters has a very moving speech that is akin to this one. Obviously, World War II and, hey, by the way, I was in a real war-kicking ass. Right. Obviously takes precedence. But this speech by him is equally as moving across characters that will continue to stretch into not only the smaller HD screen world, but also into the feature film world, which is just amazing. Again, a total testament to Phil Coulson. I've lived my life. I've lived an interesting life surrounded by heroes. The fact that he was a part of phase one and had interactions with all of those characters, eventually, all of those characters leading up to his quote-unquote death, Mm -hmm. Then the resurrection and him being a part of this show and everybody he's interacted with during this show, during the five seasons of this show. And then now also knowing that in the Captain Marvel movie, which is a prequel movie, it takes place in the 90s, the character of Phil Coulson smack dab in the thick of the story of that as well. So when he says, I've, I've spent my life surrounded by heroes, it, it is the truth. Mm-hmm. The fact, though, is is that he doesn't he doesn't consider himself the hero, mm-hmm. which makes it's it's the humble it's it's his hum, humbleness that's a word right humbleness it's his humbleness that makes him such an endearing character. The, it's why I didn't want him to die. Yeah, there's a again the you explain perfectly the selflessness that is conveyed inside of that Dick Winter speech as well. Uh, in fact, we'll find the link on, on YouTube that has the piece in it so that you can compare the two bits. Mm. And, and the humility and the being humble piece of both of their pies is what is conveyed here, and it's immaculate. Again, a total nod of the cap to Clark Gregg, who not only understands Phil Coulson, mm. he is Phil Coulson. Yeah. Knowing that the end isn't here yet, this is to prolong all of the cavitation of feelings all of us have throughout this entire episode in that Phil doesn't just let go of whatever bar his mechanical hand is holding on to as he's talking to Daisy and admits that he can barely stand up mm. and then he dies and it's over. It's not over. And the end is coming. But guess what? It's you're not, not gonna be yet. but you're not gonna be around to see it. That's another wonderful piece of this story that I think is totally well-placed. Being able to, again, it's being, what what perfect moment could be pulled off in a death scene for Phil Coulson? Well, guess what? You're never going to know. We've already seen that. And... I, I, I and just, I don't I need to, the, I don't need to see it again. Right, and I just I love the I love the choice here, 
and I love the progression of the the last seven minutes of this of the storytelling conveying mm. this side of this episode. It's perfect. You don't have to forget. You have to move on. I have to admit, this is something I've told my daughter. Uh, my mom died last year, uh, last year a year ago, mm. yesterday actually, and it's something that I I always help my daughter to understand that you know your grandma wouldn't want you to you know cry yourself to sleep at night and and wish that she was still around and wish you could still talk to her on the phone and the second piece of what's conveyed here inside the storytelling is something I'm now going to incorporate into that conversation and thank you Marvel mm-hmm. yeah for those of you that still think that this is some sort of stupid comic book show that exists on a major network and then appears online streaming. Well, I'll agree with half of your definition, <laughs> but that I am willing to incorporate this into my very real life effort as a parent should tell a lot of people something about the quality and writing of this program. <laughs> Referring to fits in the current tense and what it means. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> I, I, as much as I hate swearing inside of my own podcasts, fucking brilliant. There, there are pieces, parts of story writing inside of... Everyone do this. Close your eyes for a minute. Pick your favorite movie. I don't care where it's, what genre. I don't care. Pick one. Now pick out the favorite piece of storytelling inside that movie that you would tell somebody about. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, you got it? All right. Now how does that continue? How does that continue inside the storytelling of that franchise, series, or movie, or whatever you thought of? And if the answer isn't anything nearly as awesome as what you're given inside this episode, fucking brilliant. It is, it is probably the most moving piece of what I love about the door that they made here that is closed. This is it. If this was it, the door is closed, and it doesn't need to further on or go anywhere further. In fact, the removal of this one scene could be the series finale completely. Yeah. We just swear, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does not exist anymore. And there wasn't budget for it, and I'm very sorry, but you're going to enjoy the wonderful five seasons that it had. And if that was the case, I would be absolutely fine with that. But this tiny little door that exists to open up into another series of what I hope is another five grand seasons of this program. Fucking brilliant. Upon first viewing, it took me, it took me a few minutes to actually register what they were saying Mm -hmm. because I was so emotional. Yes. And then the light bulb moment hits and I'm like, you're, you're right. Fitz is alive floating out in space right now all we have to do is go get him because the future's been changed that timeline is different right so go go you have a spaceship yeah suddenly it didn't hurt so much anymore Mm -hmm. because you're like we lost him but we haven't really lost him yet it's almost the search for spock Syndrome. Mm-hmm. It's the end of Khan. We've lost somebody that we really love. Mm-hmm. But then we realize, hey, guess what? There's going to be another movie. It's called Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Guess what it's about? We get Spock back. Yeah. Not the Spock that we remember, but a Spock. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, kudos. Kudos for 
giving us an ending, but having so much open possibility yeah. to where it doesn't have to be an ending. Yeah. You and I have talked about enough series that have been canceled, uh, many of them either inappropriately or when they were canceled, they never got their last due effort. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, th- there are so many, I can't even name them anymore. Uh, the bottom line, though, is that to not give them the decency of like a couple of 43 minute efforts to try and wrap up any loops yeah. where the series just blinks out of existence as if Thanos walked into the writer's room and said, good night, <laughs> is terrible, is terrible. And I'm, I, I love the level and craftsmanship of what they've done here with Fitz, what they've done with the team. And again, as we continue to stair-step towards, quote, the end of this episode, it is brilliant. A placard for a certain hero. I don't know that even when I watched this the first time, and I think it was because I was so emotionally upset. Yeah. I don't, I, I couldn't extract that, okay, all right, well, Coulson's, Coulson's name is on there. Well, what about the dead guy? I don't. I don't think the first time that I watched it, I actually got it, mm. and I love it I, again because it allows you to have the light bulb moments. Nick and I have been talking about another gentleman podcaster, and that we, and our hopes for the light bulb moments that will occur for him. And it really does remind me that this show continues to give me things that I don't initially catch. Mm. Yeah, and it makes me want to go back and watch previous episodes. Because having all of this knowledge and construction material now, I have a completely different perspective than when I would have watched it originally. And again, that they've got you. They've, it, it is the mechanics that a show like this wants to have across the board. You, every writer and actor wants someone to go back and watch more of their work, even if it's the work that they've completed already. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got it. You oh, absolutely yeah. have it. And and this this moment where this divine plaque, which I hope they have, having something like that would be really really that'd be a nice piece inside the studio here. Yeah. Really. Uh, but, but it's uh, it's brilliant. It's again, it's a piece of brilliance inside this episode. <laughs> Who's like us? Damn few. Inside the last episode of Band of Brothers, there are moments and dialogue not unlike this as well. Uh-huh. And it is incredibly touching. Uh, again, the chocolate man moves me while standing over a drink, <laughs> as does everybody else when they realize it's not the end. And this can't really be a party; nobody's drinking, right? <laughs> and, and it's uh, it's incredibly well done. the The tenor of the way the episode ends here with our heroes incredibly well done, and and the again the stair steps that you descend that Phil literally descends on a ramp that allows you to ascend inside the storytelling are magical. Yeah. How does a show confirm the setting of the ultimate bar? You write an end for yourself. Everybody wipe away your tears. Everybody forget what we've talked about over the last hour and a half. Focus on what ifs for a moment. Imagine Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been canceled. Not something I would relish, for no, sure. No, no, I'm not. Having having this podcast as an anchor inside of all of our podcast efforts and not having it. Well, we've already done that a couple of times with a couple of other programs. 
and it is it's heart wrenching to try and pick a new one, and I don't relish doing it soon. Uh, it'll eventually happen, I know that, but it's not happening now. But imagine if it did. And what they have created here, Nick alluded to it in a previous point as well. They have created a bar of quality over the course of the last four seasons that really, really puts a high hurdle <laughs> yeah. for the people walking in to season six. And uh, I, I don't know where it can go. I just know that I, I have absolute faith that the people that are in charge of the program can do it. It's just got to be extracted. And that, that they were able to make so many pieces of magnificence out of previous pieces of the program that worked into the storytelling, whether or not they intended, it still worked, gives me absolute hope, that clinging to hope that, that Chocolate Man talked about yes. is exactly what I have right now for the writers. Yeah, yeah, and, and and we've actually saved a specific part of this review for speculation, so I will save all of my comments for that section. Yeah. A proud leader and a loving relationship. Thanks for the spaceship. This is brilliant. There is a... I don't know how to explain it except that it's the... It's the spilling of character moments that I would venture 98% of television programs never have the opportunity of. And to build that into what could have been a series finale, but ends up being only the season finale spilling into a new season. A new season, by the way, post-giant, epic, larger franchise movie to which all of this spills into. Brilliant. I've said this several different times throughout the review of this show. The father-daughter aspect of their relationship has grown over the last five years. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, we were introduced to Sky in episode one, who was an outsider trying to... Who I hated, by the way. Yes, you, you, act, you had a white-hot hate for Sky. Mm -hmm. I, rem I remember this. I remember talking about this. And for her to go from renegade hacker to agent of shield to kick-ass inhuman to pretty much calling the shots and running the show wow i mean for for phil colson for somebody who took her off the street and gave her the tools literally and figuratively to better herself if she wanted to and to see what what she became and it makes that it makes their hug that much more emotional oh yeah four in frame and a hand on the beach this is that particular piece of storytelling in which nothing is said and everything is left on the table and it's what many television programs and sadly too few feature films do mm. show us and this one scene where Colson is walking off the ramp that eventually spills into the walking onto the sand that then eventually spills into holding May's hand it's one of my favorite pieces inside of smaller screen HD television ever it really is me personally the only way that that scene would have been better had Lola been there 
Hmm. Wasn't Lola destroyed at some point though? I, I I know, but my thing was is is as he's putting on the glasses and walking down the ramp, I'm like, oh, tell me, tell me he's going to climb into Lola and May's Tur- going to be sitting right there <laughs> next to her and they're going to fly off into the sunset. One of Turbo's last efforts was to surprise you, Coulson, with the refix and, of your car. And, and, and right there, boom. Now, of course, that's just the cheesy romantic in me. <laughs> I, like, I would not change anything, but it would have been really nice yeah. to have seen yeah. and Lola. I, I'm really glad that you, you brought up the word romantic, too, because it's terribly appropriate here. The, I, I am I am not a giant conveyor and fan of romantic things. Mm. Romantic comedies are the stuff that really make my stomach churn. <laughs> I, I don't like it when stories really uh, prey on emotion, in particular romantic comedy style based emotion. You really have to go out of your way to make a romantic comedy that Mike Wilkerson's going to bother with. Mm-hmm. I'm just it's not my it's not my cup of tea. I'm very I, I humor my wife a lot, but I'm very picky. There's only a handful that I would say, yeah, that was a good movie. Just so happens to be a romantic comedy. Yes. but that was a good movie and too. I, I, and I would agree with you. I, I think uh, uh, when Harry Met Sally is mm-hmm. one that I would put in that category. But it's because of the quality of the filmmaking that's going on right, there. It's right. has nothing to do with the that it is a romantic comedy. The 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 other pieces parts that I wanted to make sure we talked about here were that you'll note there are no deep plunging tongues, thighs, hips, or hands inside this entire stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it's still an incredibly loving relationship that is yeah, showcased. Yeah. I just, I, again, it's not the whole I'm getting older thing and I'm sick of it, but I tire very quickly of, and now it's time for the humping scene <laughs> to try and indicate the emotional viability of something that's going on between people. And there's an appropriate move for it, the appropriate ones that I love to talk about and put into place for people, the Terminator, the original Terminator film. Mm. That original scene with piano that is stressed over it inside the hotel room for Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese, incredibly evocative, not only of my childhood, but of what love is. It's a, it's impossible love that happens. And it just so happens that it fosters everything inside the storytelling that is appropriate. You can pick any one of the other gajillion Mm -hmm. options that are totally inappropriate. That is an appropriate one. And then this one is a, a wonderful conveyance on television of where there doesn't have to be anything that is so terribly overt that it makes you sick. And it's perfectly placed inside this episode. I think a lot of, and it's specifically in movies. It, it, it is the, it's the rom-coms. It's, there's this need, and it may be because of the producers, it may be the studio, maybe a mixture of everything. Mm-hmm. It, it's all about money. We have to pull these strings that are attached to people's hearts mm-hmm. and get both the male and the female butts into the seats. There doesn't have to be a love story in every freaking story told in movies and television. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, it distracts mm-hmm. from what the story really is. Now, totally if great. it is a love story, if it's Romeo and Juliet, yes, you got to have the love story or else you don't have a story. It's just two families that don't like each other. But on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you don't have to have the whole focus be about a relationship. We know these people care about each other. We know these people love each other. Mm-hmm. And when all you have when all you have is a look from an actor instead of 
a soliloquy of how I feel about you, and now I'm going to show you how I feel about you. Take you, ah, baby, wrap my arms around you, deeper, dip you down. Deep, yes, deeper, comma, yeah, harder, as ex- my friend Carl would say. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, we you don't need that, and the ending of this episode is a perfect example of of love, romance, tenderness without having to, having to be saccharine and stupid. Who'd have thought Mac would be leading a Colsonless team? Especially since he's threatened to quit how many times <laughs> since he was introduced yeah. onto the show? Yeah. Again, this is one of those things where beginning of season three, okay, so who's going to be leading the team in two seasons when we're done? And the answer would never have been Mac. Yeah, it would have no. been either May or Daisy. Yeah, and that's it. And I am. In fact, you know, it, it's funny. It's funny that we're talking about this because, yeah. uh, and this is, I'm going to stay as politically not leaning as possible, stating this. Okay. But in in the last yearish, we've seen the proliferation of, and now a female shall lead mm-hmm. inside of a, a variety of things. Uh-huh. And I'm so glad that we were able to break that paradigm, but not have it where it's a like me taking my shoe off off of my foot and knocking you in the forehead with it moment. Right. It's right, just right. okay, well Mac's going to lead, okay? And that's it. Yeah. It, it it's it, that's the way it's going to be and is. Cool? And it, and you run forward. Right. I love that. It's not a it's not a thumb in the eye to anybody. It makes sense when you all think about it and oh by the way, that's the way it was voted to. <laughs> Snap to black and the original Agents of Shield logo. In the last two or three seasons, we've benefited from those altered, splashed logos that either help describe the pod of stories that are being conveyed mm-hmm. or to stretch from, say, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. into Agents of Hydra, for example. Right, right. And they've all been wonderful. But appropriately, at the end of this, there is a quick snap to black as the Zephyr flies overhead. And then there is an emblazoned original Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. symbol. And I love it. Yeah. I, again, I, I love the what if this would have been it. And they've plugged every single hole that needed to be. And then they've created several escape pods in the case that they didn't need to. And it's perfectly done. It It is it is the perfect snap to the end of a season that is conveyed like this one is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How does a series confirm triumph? outperform a billion-dollar feature film. That's how. Now, while this television show doesn't raise billions of dollars like Infinity War and the other major motion pictures from Marvel does, Mm -hmm. I have to tell you, after having seen Infinity War now three times and having watched this episode three times, I am moved a billion times more per dollar inside of this series this one 44-minute episode than I was throughout the entirety of Infinity War. There's, I, In fact, I'll tell you what, there's nothing inside of Infinity War that moves me as much as anything inside this episode. I will agree with that. I have only seen Infinity War once. Uh, I, I do plan on seeing it again before it leaves theaters. Not, and it's not because, eh, I didn't think it was a good movie. It's just I haven't had the time to go and see that film mm-hmm. for a second time. Sure. Now, here's an interesting thing. I have watched this last episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. three times, Mm -hmm. so that's 44 times 3. That still doesn't add up the length 
of Infinity War's runtime. Mm-hmm. Now, before Inf- Infinite, before I saw Infinity War, I, I, did, I saw it opening weekend, but it was a few days after it had really opened, so there were still things posted online. And I do have to give everybody that's on my Facebook feed and my Twitter feed credit. Nobody spoiled anything for me. Mm-hmm. All they would post was the, the the fact that it was a very emotional. It was an emotional roller coaster for them, and you know, and they show those nice little memes. You know, the meme of walking into Infinity War, and it's somebody walking in all happy and smiling, and then walking out of Infinity War, and it's somebody just slack jawed, like, you know, they'd just seen a ghost. So I'm like, oh wow, is it is this movie really going to be that uh, impactful? And I've talked to friends, and they've said, man, I don't think I've cried more during a movie than I cried at the end of Infinity War. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. don't tell me that. Because despite my my rugged <laughs> exterior, I am a, a gooey ball of, of mush inside. If a story moves me, mm-hmm. if a performance moves me, mm-hmm. I'm going to feel it and I'm going to react. Yeah, I tell you what. I I kind of sniffled up a little bit at the very end of Infinity War when people started fading away and some of them were giving their last words before they faded out. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's touching. But I'm like, you, you do know most of these people are coming back, though, right? You know, this isn't the end. This is this is part one. There's still more shit going to happen. Most of these characters are coming back. And I guess because that was in my brain, I didn't get all emotionally affected like so many other people did. Now comes episode 22 of season five of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And for uh, out for probably about 30 minutes of the 44 minutes, I am a blubbering mess. Yeah. Great. So for the for a show for the show to be able to affect me like that and this movie where i've got people going like oh my god it's so emotional i'm like are we watching the same thing mm-hmm. because there is more emotional gut punches in this episode than i'm sorry any of the marvel films mm-hmm. and and i love all of them not equally but i love all of them they've mm-hmm. all been stellar entertainment Mm -hmm. this this is five years of watching a group of people become a team and become a family Mm -hmm. they have fought for each other they have fought with each other and even though this is not the end it is an ending Mm -hmm. literally it was here here's agents of shield it's one plate but it's the best food you're ever going to have. Where Infinity War is, welcome to the buffet, whatever you want is it. yours. Right. So many choices. I know I'm not going to be able to get everything. So, I, I, again, I will take that one perfect plate mm-hmm. because every bite will be heaven. Yeah. Yeah. It, again, it's it's not a contest to realize that. But <laughs> well, yeah. I, I am putting them both on a scale emotionally, and there's no question in my mind. Yeah. Especially this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. moved me more than the two and a half hour extravaganza that was Infinity War. Uh, Speaking of triumph, it's time to triumph as we go relieve our bladders during a break here during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. A complete, detailed, and always educational review of this time, Season 5, Episode 22, the season finale of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., The End. 
We will be right back. Hostage and crisis negotiations are some of the most demanding jobs in law enforcement. I'm Pat Doring, crisis negotiator, and inside my new book, Crisis Cops, you'll learn more about the perspective I and my fellow negotiators experience when it comes to bridge jumpers, a hostage taker, or those who are contemplating suicide. From origin stories from the initial beginnings of hostage crisis negotiations across the country to the art form that has become today, you'll learn all about it inside of Crisis Cops the evolution of hostage negotiations in America. Order it now at twoguystalking.com slash crisiscops. That's twoguystalking.com slash crisiscops. When it comes to security and law enforcement procedures, there's no such thing as too much information. Come get your free helping of free field training from Officer Tommy Model now at freefieldtrainingpodcast.com. That's freefieldtrainingpodcast.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Dead end job? Lackluster love life? Poor social skills? Sometimes reality sucks. What better way to find a brief escape than with video games? Let Two Guys Talking Horror take you on a journey through the dark side of gaming with Game Over. The history of survival horror in video games. Get in on all the pixelated gore at TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com. That's TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming, this time, the season five finale, episode 22, The End. Every time we come back from break, it's time to crack open the S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I find a compelling actor portrayal a piece of storytelling that moved us, or something else that tripped our collective review morning. Fantastic. Nick, what have you got inside your dossier? There was a lot that we've covered during this review. Mm -hmm. 
Usually the dossier is reserved for stuff that we didn't make a point to talk about. Too true. But we talked about a lot. Lots. Because there was a lot to talk about. There was. Luckily, we did not talk about this. My shield dossier. My God, your segue is perfect. That's, I know. I'm, I'm getting. I'm getting better at this. I'm, I'm taking uh, segues for dummies. <laughs> My shield dossier is filled with a tense moment in the infirmary, and when I talk about a tense moment, it's the moment between May and Colson where it, it, it very short, it probably didn't even last two minutes. But it was all about, you know, I've made my feelings clear. And, and Coulson responded, I've made my feelings clear too, but I don't think that it's appropriate for me to steal more time because I, I have been living on borrowed time. Mm -hmm. But May doesn't want to hear it. It's like, if you want to be with me, she pushes the syringe over to him, prove it. And, of course, at that moment, you believe, oh, okay, well, you got to take the serum, Coulson. Mm -hmm. And then when he actually joins the rest of the team, walking around, you you assume mm -hmm. that he did. Mm -hmm. But it's those, it's that moment. It's the, it's, it's the pain and the conflict on Coulson's face. Yes, I love you. Yes, I want to be with you. But, and it's, it's the but that usually makes things stupid. It's a, oh, I want to be with you, but I can't for duty and honor. No, it's it doesn't feel right that I would cheat again. I've been given I've been given a gift, and even though things went off the rail every now and then, I had I not been given that gift, I wouldn't have been able to spend more time with you and develop this this love that we have for each other, this this relationship that we now have. So to try to steal yet another get-out-of-jail-free card, again, just hammers home the integrity of Phil Coulson. Mm -hmm. And the fact that at the end of the episode, knowing that he didn't take the serum and knowing that he has days, maybe weeks if if he's lucky, may still goes with him to spend as much time as she possibly can. Mm -hmm. So that heartfelt moment is my shield dossier. I think that's a grand one. I have a couple that I, I don't know how to break them apart, so I'm, I'm, I'm afraid my dossier is going to have two pages this time. Ooh, okay. The first page has got absolutely has to be built from the terribly appropriate usage of Deke. Hmm. Yes. Deke serves as a lamppost of a time that we will not know. Mm -hmm. uh, but he also serves as a lamppost of a character that could have easily become the dumb back to the future character. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I.e., look, he's fading. Look, he doesn't have an arm. Oh, my God, he's fading. Look, he's fading. Oh, gosh, Can it's, it's old fading? man Biff. He's fading. My God, play a guitar In a deleted something. scene. Something. Oh, my God. Right. Uh, well, we didn't do that. Yeah. We did none of that. And I, I have to tip my hat to the, to, again, to the writers on that. Not taking the bait to be cutesy, back to the future, fading character as the time runs out, blah. Thank you. Thank you for not giving us that. The second portion is something that we did allude to inside of the original bullet list. 
and but it is something that absolutely deserves more attention. It is every single interaction where you see Daisy doing something as she's on the streets of Chicago, whether it's only her running, mm. whether it's her propelling herself forward with her powers, whether it's her whooping all kinds of ass inside of inside of the takedown and, and eventual takeover slash throwing into into space of Talbot. All of it is incredibly powerful, but the reason it's incredibly powerful is that it's all quick. Mm -hmm. Nothing is drawn out. There are never those moments that I, I, I think I admitted this to you recently that I accidentally sat through the original Fantastic Four film. And inside that film, really, especially the second one, there are some excellent accidental moments inside of the second film. But they just take too damn long. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, there's the scene, and now we're moving and powering through and under the whatever else is coming. This show so understands the value and diamond-like value of pacing that they're able to take scenes that are absolutely brilliant and compile them all together one after another after another. And all of the stuff at the end there with Quake... And Talbot is that. It right. really, really is well done. That's where we ask you guys what's inside your dossier, regardless of how many pages are in it this time. <laughs> Let us know what you think by going over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Click anywhere inside of the threads that are made or start your own and tell us what you think. Ah, the inevitable chime of ratingdom here during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. The scale works thusly. A 10, a super awesome, and apparently nothing else that shall be graded inside of this season or the last four seasons. Down at the bottom end is one, something that Michael Bay created apparently that we don't ever need to endure here during, <laughs> during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Sevens are where it all starts as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? I rate this episode a 10. What? Yes. What? Uh, I've, we, we've talked a lot, and we still got some more talking to do. One thing we don't need to waste any time on is the quality of this show, mm -hmm. and the quality is a 10. Yes, I agree with you. This is a 10. Awesome. Whatever else you guys think, I don't really care unless it's a 10. <laughs> so I'm not even going to bother asking. What we are going to scoot directly onto, though, is something that is absolutely required for especially this episode of this season, which is not the final season. Not the final. Right, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. We're going to talk about contemplation. Contemplating what's to come, in particular, post-Infinity War. For those that have forgotten or have been in a coma, or whatever your malady is, and you've finally recovered, congrats, that's awesome! We're so glad that you crawled out from under that rock. Yes, that's amazing. For those of you that have not been around, Infinity War happened where stuff happened and fingers snapped and jewels shined and all kinds of other half stuff. a galaxy half a universe was yeah. was wiped Suddenly out of existence disappears out of existence right. turned to dust well what we have to do is we have to talk about what's going to happen inside of a sixth season a half season delivery currently yes 13 episodes 13 have episodes. been ordered right and so we've got to talk about that nick 
Well, the, another thing that we need to talk about is the fact that when that season starts, season six does not debut until this time uh, next year. Yeah. So we have an entire year yeah. before a new episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comes about, yeah. which means it will happen after the events mm -hmm. of Avengers 4, whatever that's going to be called. Mm -hmm. What exactly does that mean? Does it mean that we're holding off bringing back Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. until we wrap up this whole infinity mess to where we have a sense of order in the universe? You know, when our heroes, spoiler alert, so the heroes are going to band together, fight Thanos again, and somehow win. win. Uh, there will be casualties. There will be some retirements. There will be some deaths. But the universe will continue. And more importantly, the Marvel Cinematic Universe will continue mm -hmm. and we'll get more more great stories, including our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. So now it's time for contemplation and speculation. For me, I have a feeling that, uh, and, and, and this, is, this is just me thinking off the top of my head, wondering how not only can you fit in the events of Infinity War, because we've talked about it over the last couple of episodes, we've been expecting to see some characters just fade away into dust. Mm -hmm. Well, there's nobody, nobody's saying that that still can't happen. That could actually happen the very beginning of season six of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We could pick up where we left off in a flashback and see somebody fade away. We have no idea how much time passes in between the ending of Avengers 3, Infinity War, and Avengers 4, da-da-da-da-da. We have no, I mean, it could pick up right after, right when it leaves off. We don't know. That's why we're speculating here. Uh, for me, and this is also a way to save Phil Coulson to where he can he can come back later on. If Phil Coulson is one of the people that fades away into nothing, I mean, just imagine we open up on a sandy beach, and there's Coulson and May enjoying the rays and the sun, and they're holding hands, and then all of a sudden, K I S S I N G, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, not even kissing, just just enjoying each other's company, and then yeah. all of a sudden, oh, you mean Phil, deeper, deeper, comma harder. Right. Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. That's what we <laughs> okay, need. Okay, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden, Phil just fades away. So we now know that he is a victim of half of the universe being wiped out of existence. Well, what if when the universe is made right, he comes back? But because the magic of the Infinity Gauntlet, maybe he comes back just a little bit better. Maybe he's not dying. Maybe he's been cured. Maybe I, I, the, hell, maybe he doesn't even have a robotic robotic hand anymore. Maybe he gets his hand back. I mean, who knows? The writers can write it any way they want to. Point is, is that season six needs to at least start off with the it the search for Fitz. That's what they've alluded to at the end of this season. Is they're they're going to go look for him. And thanks to all of those star charts that Deke took from the Marauders spaceship before they before he and May got out of there before it blew up, they've got they've got all the they've got maps. They're not gonna wander aimlessly. So now it's let's find Enoch, let's find Fitz, and let's move forward. There are a lot of things that we could hope for, but until we actually know how 
Avengers Part 4 turns out, it's anybody's guess, really. Well, I think what I love most is that Avengers 4 is already written, filmed, mm-hmm. and in a box someplace. Right. So they know. I mean, they yeah, know. Yeah. It's and, just we don't know. Right. right. And I love that. I love I love that. I love that they all... they. There's a variety of other things that are going to happen. One, as we record this, it's uh, just about a month post-Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, the weekend that Solo releases. It's a month before Ant-Man and the Wasp releases. And about nine months before Captain Marvel is delivered. And so all of those things are all pieces of impact, in particular the Captain Marvel film, in which yes. Phil Coulson probably appears. Oh, no. He he is in it. Okay. so Yet another reason why they've pushed agents so far back. Well, and I'm because fine. because he, he is going to be so involved in the movie yeah, one of the, that he wouldn't have time to be on the show well, if they had it. At a regular, at their regular season time. Yeah, five or six episodes ago, something you and I contemplated was, my God, what are they going to do? They can't. Uh, how can they write against post Infinity War? How 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 are you going to do that? And the answer is, they don't have to. Yeah, now they don't have to. They don't have to is the, is the appropriate answer. And but all of these other things allow you to color and paint in hues that would not possibly be available if. You didn't have the X Factor of Infinity War. Because you now have the X Factor of Infinity War, you it really is a blank canvas. Uh-huh. And I love that because if just the writing staff of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is able to glean pieces, parts they need to from the story and impart those into the storytelling that becomes the script that becomes the next season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we have a ton of value that's going to be delivered. Right. And I can't wait to be ringside. I really can't. And something else that I've talked about during the review of this show and on on other podcasts that we've done on the network is I've always complained about the 22-episode season because there's a lot of filler that you have to put in there, especially if it's a subpar show. Mm -hmm. Well, this is 13 episodes so far. I mean, by the time we get there, they may order more. It, it, It is a possibility. But I'm not. I'm not going to look at it as a possibility. I'm going to say, okay, we got 13 episodes. Well, guess what? Those need to be the most solid, stellar 13 episodes of their career when they come back. Because now, now it's kind of a challenge. If anybody's been paying attention to the internet over the last few seasons, ABC, the company, ABC has wanted to cancel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because of its poor ratings. It has poor ratings on the night that it airs. It has great ratings on, what do they call it, The uh, st- when people watch it the next day streaming or mm-hmm. on their DVR. There's a, there's a term for it. I can't remember. Uh, I've forgotten what it is, too, but I know what you mean. But they're high on that. But for one reason or another, they don't want to pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Now, Disney, Disney Marvel, who owns ABC, has said... Uh, no, you're not canceling the show. Now, of course, you can only go so far before you start, as a company, you have to look at something like, okay, yeah, we're losing money. 13 episodes. That's That, that shows me it's like, okay, so we still don't want to cancel it, but how about this? Let's shorten it. And if we can't keep on, if we can't keep it going with a shortened season, then maybe we might get rid of the show. 
again, this is me just speculating and me going off what I have read on on several different sites. Mm-hmm. When these thirteen episodes come back, they've got to be great. I I mean, I want them to be great, but I mean, they have to be great for okay, the continuation yeah. of this it, show. Uh, again, it's the establishment of a bar that is. I, you you can't say the word so ridiculously high because that makes it sound like it was accidentally put there. It, mm. it, it, the bar has been moved so high yeah. that you have to try and compile a series of puzzle pieces that will e- either bring us down a little bit to something good or continue to stack the platform so that you have no idea at all that you're coming down at all. Mm. And I, I, I know that they can do it. I mean, that, that's, oh, yeah. that's the cool part is that having so, the, the real giant brilliant part is that you've got so much time. As much as six months doesn't sound like a, a long time, six months to just sit and write is a good thing. True, yes. Especially for a show that has as many characters as we have inside this show, as well as how many things it's going to tie into over the course of even just the next nine months. Mm-hmm. That that's huge. It, it's giant, and I I can't I can't wait to see what they come up with to 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 bring us back into a. But we gotta wait, Mike. We have to wait a whole wait. year. I don't want to wait. Where's it now? <laughs> and that's where we ask you guys. What do you guys contemplate is going to happen when Agents of Shield resumes? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click anywhere on the right hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and tell us. What awaits in season six? Until then, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication, reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash Shield Podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of Shield news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of Shield Podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication. Chief Chris, Crisis Negotiator Pat, and myself over again at twoguystalkingstarwars.com. And get out and go see Solo. Because it was good. I enjoyed it.
Really? Saw it, saw it yesterday. Did you yes. see it? Yeah. You did see it. Saw it yesterday. I thought you were going to wait seven or eight years on that one, too. I told you two weeks ago, the last time I was here, I'll be there opening weekend. Because it's something <laughs> that I'm I, actually interested in seeing. I just like stoking the fire because I like to help wake you up. Right. Whoa. Well, good luck with that. Insert the tone. <laughs>